This portion of the John DePietro Show, it's brought to you by Lawn Doctor, your best lawn ever guaranteed. And I can tell you with my own experience what a fantastic job they did and have done with my lawn. The easiest thing to do is log on to their website. It's LawnDoctor.com. LawnDoctor.com. Put in your zip code, your best lawn ever guaranteed it's lawn doctor of rhode island you can call them 401-392-1025 but log on to their website lawndoctor.com you're listening to the john DePietro show it's am 1380 99.9 fm you can always listen online at the website dipietro.com i want to touch on a couple of different items first of all uh tim white channel 12 i know him i like him uh, we don't socialize, but we're friendly. And I knew, obviously, uh, his father, late Jack White, great reporter. So Tim White has a story out regarding the chief of police in Providence. And I've had the opportunity to get to know Chief Oscar Perez. Now, he's new. He's taken over from Chief Clemens. Um, unfortunately, listen, I think there's a lot of politics involved with being the chief of police. Say what you want about the old guard, but when it was Mayor Lorza and then he had the uh, public safety commissioner, Stephen Perry, and then Chief Clemens, by and large, it seemed, could have been a lot of politics, but it was behind the scenes, and seemingly Mayor Lorza, or somehow maybe Chief Clemens managed to navigate all of that. Now, Mayor Smiley has his new team, which is he has... Uh, Kevin Lanny is the commander, who's the number two, and then Chief Perez is his chief. Uh, I hate the visual. I hate the visual of, and I'm not faulting Tim White. Tim White has a story. He's following up on it. No one's going on the record, but he has the information. Um, and to be honest, I've heard about this. It's floating out there. Many times if allegations are made, in this case the FBI, they, they have to follow up on it. So, but I I don't believe it's going to bear any fruit here. So, um, much like many times we hear people have different defenses of a lot of nepotism. Uh, but the, the chief, obviously, there's chief of police of Providence. And his brother's also a sergeant. I don't believe I know the brother. But then they have a nephew who's seemingly on the wrong side of the law. But there is... At this point, there's no evidence to bear or show that the nephew got any deference um, because of the fact that, you know, uh, his uncle, who is Oscar Perez, is the chief of police of Providence. So, but I, I think, and, and I understand Mayor Smiley, they're trying to juggle and balance, okay, we don't want to seem defensive, and we don't want to seem defensive, we don't want to throw the guy under the bus. We want to be supportive. But I don't know if they need to be on camera. I really don't like the visual. Um, it almost looks to me as if like Chief Perez has been called into the principal's office and Mayor Smiley is the parent that gets called in and also has to meet with them. So I, um, in the past, I have not refrained from calling out some of the difficulties with different police chiefs. There was a major problem with the chief of police in Central Falls several years ago. I, right away, had heard a lot of rumblings about then-chief Barney Prignano. Never mind how he got to the position of chief, but things that were going on, and I was proven right. I remember hearing about he was giving out test answers for people that were going to take tests, and I remember... Uh, the late Jim Terracani telling me that I was I was wrong. No, Pregnano, straight as an arrow, cops cop, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and then proven to be wrong. But in this, I don't believe that's the case with Chief Perez. But it is definitely a story out there. Now, we also seemingly have a clarification here with the mayor of Warwick. Mayor Pocosi took a very heavy-handed approach now, on Tuesday afternoon, I went out and I was able to capture, live stream, some of these. What he was saying was that there were these two coyotes walking side by side, roaming the neighborhoods of Oakland Beach. 
and and they're beautiful creatures and there's two of them and it is unusual as someone pointed out to me it would be unusual to see two german shepherds that look exactly the same marching around the video and i have the video up on all different platforms whether it's topetro.com or on facebook and it is striking it is different i don't know what to make of these people that still don't see the newsworthy element of it just it's the unusual nature of it will now come and they had an expert and then mayor pacosi came out and took a heavy you know we gotta stop these people there was a member of the media live streaming and blah blah this has got to stop and leave them alone we have an expert and they're black coyotes well now that was then this is now now mayor pacosi mayor coyote has come out and said that oh no it it would seem that they're a mixture of dogs and wolves and that the owner has stepped forward so now there's a little controversy on this and how did they get there who do they belong to now i can't confirm this but i've heard that having those types of animals and they kind of breed them that way part wolf part dog now i don't know if this is 100 percent accurate but someone has said that that is illegal to do in rhode island but the owner's been in touch with them how they got there so far we don't know who is the owner don't know that how did the owner it's kind of been out there in the news and i also want to go after you know you had mayor pacosi chastising the media about video you know i was i was guilty as charged i was live streaming the coyotes on tuesday but then it turns out that the well what he said was coyotes and the police identified as coyotes and the expert that mayor coyote said that he had gotten said they were coyotes well the owner saw my facebook video and then contacted the city so the mayor chastising the media about being out there and then the actual owner of these animals has come forward to claim them so i think and the mayor has typos he was posting this early i don't i don't know exactly what's happening with the mayor of warwick uh, it's an unusual story. I know some people still don't understand the, the nature of it. If you see the video, the way the two of them, whether they are part dog, part wolf, or part coyote, but the way they are wandering around in tandem, they're not afraid of humans. Uh, there's something very unusual about it. But the mayor immediately said that they were coyotes, black coyotes. The mayor of Warwick mayor coyote well it's actually mayor pacosi immediately told the media to stop filming them told people stop taking pictures of them that they're coyotes just leave them alone he also claimed you had people saying oh they should be a roger williams park zoo i think the zoo could speak for themselves i had someone reach out to me oh i think you know you should make an effort to get them brought to the zoo well i mean there are people that work at the zoo and they're looking at the news they could certainly make their own argument i don't think they need me to be suddenly this false advocate that steps forward but i'm just going to point out those two mayors both the mayor of providence again i like mayor smiley and i'd like to cover his administration i think he's doing a lot of things in the right direction i think he's going to be cautious with this police situation you don't want to overmanage. i remember years ago i spoke to someone who was the chief of police in providence he said i loved every day of being a police officer until i became the chief and then the politics of city hall and the politics of the city council and the politics in general that come into play so i would say now on the one hand the mayor mayor smiley did step forward and defended his police officers as he should have against these atv riders but i'm not sure they know how to handle this channel 12 story now a mayor who is i believe leading and doing the right thing is the mayor of cranston and that is mayor hopkins he's announcing they're not going to allow these homeless encampments in the city of cranston they're not and folks i want to be really clear no mayor should and they shouldn't be on state property they shouldn't be anywhere if you tolerate one they mushroom into five tents then they become ten tents so i'm not sure what part of trespassing people that defend them don't understand it, it it's not that we have we have laws 
We have rules and regulations. This business of some of the advocates will then turn around and say, all right, well, then what's your suggestion? Where do they go? I don't have one. It's not up to me. Well, then where do you, what do you say we do with them? I'm saying you can't sleep by the river. You can't sleep under an underpass. You can't set up a tent at a highway off-ramp. So what's my solution? Gee, I don't know. Live in a garage. You know, get a job. Rent out someone's basement. The normal housing that humans are able to do. What's my solution? My solution is no, you're not camping outside on public property. And Mayor Hopkins, the mayor of Cranston, is leading the way. Suddenly, I love how that you know they try to change the dynamic, and it becomes well. What what's your solution on where these people should go? First, to the employment office, try to find a job, and then secondly, like everyone else, you get a roommate, you move in with family, rent out someone you know, rent out their basement, rent out their garage, but you can't just start setting up tents everywhere. These people are well. You want to kick them off the park bench. So what's your solution? to get off the bench can't just plop down a tent folks how would you feel if someone you woke up one morning there was two tents in your backyard again if there are people that want to do that have at it then let them let people rent people are gonna sleep in tents on their yard but not on public property this is ludicrous so state property whatever you're listening to the john DePietro show Get your driveway paved. J. Perry Paving. Letter J. J. Perry Paving. High quality, fair pricing, exceptional service, over 25 years experience, specialized commercial paving, residential paving, seal coating. Call for a free estimate today, 401-732-1730. J. Perry Paving. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand new paving project or a cracked driveway. It's affordable, smooth, safe to drive on, aesthetically appealing. Asphalt can be recycled, reused. J. Perry Paving, a licensed and insured contracting company committed to meeting your needs. No matter how big, how small, contact them today for a free quote, 401-732-1730. What a difference it makes for your driveway, for your business, parking lot, J. Letter J, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730, online at jperrypaving.com, and look for them on Facebook. Folks, you are listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays. We start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, DePietro.com. Joining us right now is a columnist with the Boston Globe. It is Dan McGowan. And, Dan, we spoke to you last week. You were getting set to head to Newport. Uh, Governor McKee was set to unveil, with a lot of fanfare, by the way, his big uh, new education plan. And I want people to understand, he is setting this as this isn't just any type of plan this is this is the game plan of how we're going to catch massachusetts who's number one in the nation in 2030 much like a coach at halftime all right here's how we're going to win the second half and i'd like to just pick it up a little bit from your experience being there and then just the first 24-hour aftermath well, it, it, it's a it's a good good place to start because you know you, you get down there and you get to the Newport Boys and Girls Club and like you said there was fanfare you had yeah. you know uh, you had pretty significant people in the room I saw you know one of the top lobbyists from the um, the, the the private colleges a guy named Dan Egan was there kind of in yes support. I know Dan uh, you know I believe Bob Walsh was in the room the former NEA executive wow. director. So you had you had people you had some of the charter school people there. Um, he's got the he's got the mayor of Newport, who yeah. a lot of people don't realize, but he he ran the 2010 Frank Caprio campaign for yeah. governor, and we know how that ended up. And now yeah, you have did, the connection yeah. with David now working with the governor. So okay, hey, our pal is the mayor of Newport, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but just so we have. Little little color for the for the listeners. A- absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's Mayor Zai, who who's the yeah the new mayor down there in Newport, and so they they decided to do it there because uh, the, Newport is the first community to kind of sign on to this 
um, initiative. But you'll notice in, in everything I'm saying right now, the thing that wasn't clear was exactly what was being proposed. Right. Um, and even quite frankly, John, you and I talked about this last week. You know, they the, the governor sat down, I believe, with the journal and I, I think uh, go local. And even from the reporting that was given ahead of time, I, I still didn't quite get the concept of what they were trying to announce. And then the speech begins and the governor you know, goes on and on about how this is going to be this great initiative. We still got no answers about exactly what's happening here. I mean, what it sounds like is you know, we're going to we're going to get cities and towns to kind of. Uh, you know, put a rubber stamp on or, or, you know, make make more of a concerted effort to support kids. Of course, everybody would agree with that. That's, a, you know, that makes sense. And we're going to, you know, get the nonprofits, the, the after school programs, the boys and girls clubs, the little leagues, you know, on board with, um, you know, with trying to engage students for out of school learning. But again, you know, that's my best explanation of what of what the governor is proposing here. It It is not exactly the most, you know, the deepest kind of thought out uh, proposal. And that's where my kind of criticism comes in. The governor didn't take any questions uh, down in Newport. In fact, wouldn't look at me uh, when, wow. I asked, when I simply asked and literally looked down at the ground when I all I asked the question was, because uh, you know how these things are, John. You're 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 looking. You know, a bunch of reporters are standing there taking pictures of him signing something, and everybody's yeah. kind of awkwardly silent. So my question was simply, Governor, how many cities and towns have actually signed on to this so far? And he yeah. wouldn't. He literally got up, looking down, walking away, said, "We expect everybody to get on board at some point," and then kind of was rushed into a room, um, you know, a room in the building, and so didn't take any questions. Uh, Afterwards, the education commissioner uh, kind of tried to sneak out without answering any questions. I sort of confronted wow. her a little bit, um, and, and we we talked briefly. But you know, her message was like, "You got to ask the governor. You got to ask the governor." That's what she kind of said over and over and over. Um, and so we we really got no true answer. Now, again, the governor's on a few interviews. He's tried to explain this, he, but he's talking a lot almost in theory, right? Of yeah. course, like I said before, of course you want your your municipalities and your, you know, the nonprofits in any given community to, you know, be on board with a lot of this. But we don't know, you know, he, he talks about they want to hold some of these nonprofits accountable for test scores. Literally, you know, the idea, what, what I hear in that is, hey, you know, you run an after-school program, you get, let's say, $100,000 to run an after-school program. Uh, if the kids' test scores don't go up, there goes your $100,000. Uh, but we don't know that for sure. Um, it, you know, I think every time the governor gets asked a different question when he does answer it, he kind of changes his tune. You know, this initially was, this is the plan. This is the plan to get us to, you know, matching Massachusetts. You know, Correct. he's kind of he's yep. walked that back a little bit. And now he says this is part of the plan. Um, but the thing that the thing that frustrated me, and I'm sure we'll talk about my column, but the thing that frustrated me the most is we didn't create the expectation that the state was going to get to Massachusetts right. by 2030. Yes. He was the one that proposed that. Yes. He was the one who said, you know, I need 100 days to come up with a plan. That's reasonable. It's, it's completely fine to say, you know, give me 100 days. But when 100 days later on your 100th day in office, yeah, you, you basically say, you know, we're going to we're going to bring the nonprofits in and, and, and we're going to let mayors kind of control things a little bit. Uh, that was I, I thought a very, as I wrote, a very underwhelming announcement. I'm just not sure how it moves the needle in any significant way. And Dan McGowan, just to be clear, I, I would argue that it's an unrealistic goal. So he's the one putting it out there. He's the one that announced that. But because of Massachusetts, the makeup of Massachusetts, because of all the universities that are there, they, you know, it, 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 it makes sense that they do have a phenomenal public well, education. Well, and, and here, so, here, here's one more point that, that a, a couple of educators made to me, because you're right. Look, Massachusetts has a bunch of advantages. By the way, we're also assuming, you know, when you compare Massachusetts and Rhode Island today, uh, do we not think in the next six years, seven years that uh, that Massachusetts is also going to improve its own its test scores? Yes, right? that's so right. There's that point. But the other the other thing that somebody said to me is the challenge in Rhode Island, and I think this is real, is 
that because you have place a place like Providence, which is yeah. so underperforming yeah. and makes up, you know, 10, 15 percent of the entire state when it comes to public schools. It's really you could get maybe you do raise the test scores in Bristol and Warren and, and you know, in some of the smaller communities. But the problem is the math doesn't work out because you, yeah. you need to get a number of kids, you know, thousands of kids caught up in Providence. And this is yet another thing that I've been very frustrated, both with the education commissioner and the governor. I've been asking for 100 days now. Uh, show me the math on this. Show me how right. many kids need to catch up. Uh, because numbers don't change year to year in a big way, right? So, sure, some of these kids will graduate before this is, you know, this is done. But, you know, what is the rough number you're working on? Is it is it 10,000 kids that need to change? And they do not know this number. Meanwhile, and I wrote about this, you know, kind of the second half of my column last week that was, you know, very critical of the governor. Places like Cumberland, his own hometown, yeah, are, are looking at this and saying, no, 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 you have to take a much more kind of measured approach. Yeah. We, we focus literally on how many kids can we get over the finish line? What support do they need versus what support does, you know, do, do the kids who are struggling significantly more need? And that's how we tailor this. The superintendent there, Phil Thornton, I thought had the best quote of all. He said, you know, more time in and of itself doesn't necessarily impact no. test scores. And that's the governor wants to, wants the headline of, a million more hours for kids. And that's lovely. That's a great talking point. But if it's not targeted, if it's not focused, if it's not focused particularly on the kids who struggle the most, which yep. are the hardest kids to reach, uh, I don't see how this kind of, this plan really works out. And it's just, it's not substantive enough right now. And Dan McGowan, it sounds like Cumberland, they're very targeted. I thought he, he I believe, was the superintendent of Warwick. But it, it sounds like they... It's almost like Moneyball. They have the math down and they know here are the number of students you need to move, like C students to B students, B students, A students, in order to hit the number you're, you're looking for. Does that now, seem fair? A, oh, a, a thousand percent. I, I gave that okay. exact example because I'll tell you, you, you asked like how the day went. So, so right afterwards, I said, I knew Cumberland's doing some interesting things. And, yep. um, and so I called just flat called the, the superintendent there. And, you know, this is school vacation week, remember? Yep. And he said, Dan, can you come to my office right now? And <laughs> wow. you know, I'll be honest, I'm in Newport. And I'm yeah. thinking, I got a column to write. I don't really want to do wow. this. But I said, I said, no problem. I'll come there. And you walk into their office. And Moneyball's a great example. They, they have, you know, here are the, there are 75 kids, let's say, at this school that need a little bit of help. And there's 100 kids that need much more help. And they literally have it written down on a whiteboard. And they, they talk about, you know, if we can move 10% of these kids, we're going to be, you know, we're going to be in a better shape when it comes to the testing. And people will say, well, that's, you know, that's outrageous. They're, you know, you're only trying to move the test. No, you're, you're teaching kids, right? Yeah. And the example that was given to me was, uh, you know, if a kid can't do fractions, you need to help them do fractions. Right. Uh, I mean, this makes sense. If a kid can't hit in baseball, I throw him more batting practice. Yes. Um, it's a very tailored approach. Exactly. Very tailored yes. approach. And, and yeah. And, you know, when you think of their, his own community, the place that he was the mayor is saying, hey, we're not sure about this. You know, if, if he's willing to give us more money to do what we're doing, we're in. But if it's going to be, you know, the mayor has to control it and we, you can only do it with nonprofits and it has to involve, you know, uh, somehow the governor coming and taking pictures all the time and, you know, being happy and <laughs> that kind of thing. We don't want to deal with that. We're, we, we already know what the plan is. At yeah. least that's the way Cumberland thinks of it. Yeah. And again, I, I love Moneyball and I, it's one of my favorite films. There's so much to be taken out of that. But I love where they're talking about we need runs. We need people on base. And mm -hmm. one of the scouts says, well, he walks a lot. And then Brad Pitt, who's Billy Bean, says, well, he, he, he gets on base a lot. That's I don't right. care if it's a walk or a hit. He gets on base a lot. Folks, quick break. Much more ahead. Dan McGowan, Boston Globe, right here on the John DePietro Show. Get the most of your outdoor space with Limitless Outdoors. Call today for a free quote, 401-580-1852. Limitless Outdoors, they specialize in patios, walkways, 
steps. They did a fantastic job on my outside steps. Outdoor kitchens, landscape lighting, retaining walls, lawn installations, excavation. Call Limitless Outdoors today. Let's dream, build, and enjoy. 401-580-1852. Based in Smithfield, Limitless Outdoors. They also do indoor fireplaces or outdoor fireplaces limitless outdoors call them today free quote get the most of your outside you're gonna love what they can do for you 401-580-1852 401-580-1852 limitless outdoors dream build enjoy we're speaking with dan mcgowan of the boston globe so, Dan, your column did come out. I'm just curious of all the things you've done, and I have followed your career. You, I still go back to that 2014 when you broke the fact that uh, Smiley was going to back out in, in Alorza, and you break a lot of news. But I'm just curious, have you ever had a piece, uh, since you've been a columnist now, that you've written that got the type of reaction that you got from uh, your evaluation, starting with the infamous now, that's it, um, which I saw or Eli Sherman, your old colleagues at Channel 12, really loved. But just what what was the reaction? What was it like being Dan McGowan for the first forty eight hours? Yeah, you know it's it's an interesting thing because there's only there's only been a handful of times where you write something that's you know that pointed that yep. sort of uh, that generates kind of an emotional reaction from a lot of people. And you remember you and I talked about it last year. Uh, I recall right before Seth Magaziner got in the race for yes. Congress that, that was pretty critical. Wakes up in the mirror, looks in the mirror. It, yeah, exactly. And wakes I, up and in I, the morning. Yep. Yeah, and I said, you know, I, I really thought he should he should stay in the governor's race. He shouldn't run for Congress. Obviously, he didn't listen. And you know, the difference between and that was that was t- you know I had to be in the room with the treasurer the, the next day when he was yeah. announcing for Congress. I'll tell you the, the difference is is that that column, while it was widely read and, and got a lot of reaction, the reaction was overwhelmingly people who already didn't like Seth Magaziner, who okay. you know came and patted me on the back, right? And and, yeah. and they, they they thought I joined the club of not liking him, which of course isn't true. Sure. This has nothing right. to do with that. In this case, sure, there are a lot of people out there who don't like the governor and who, you know, who were sharing or who, you know, who told me. But I was hearing from people all across the state, nonprofits, the college people, um, you know, the, the other other superintendents and educators and people who, quite frankly, really do like the governor. Yeah. Uh, people who are going to fund this initiative to some degree who are saying, boy, I thought you nailed it because, the, you know, the governor has been going around the state for a long time now, several months. I mean, he's yep. even said he's even said he's been working on this for eight months. Um, and and taking meetings with various, you know, government people and, and again, nonprofits are trying to raise money for for their separate nonprofit. And what what everybody said to me is that's the exact feeling that we get when we are, you know, in the meeting with the governor that this is it, this is all you got. And you're just going to, you know, you're just going to make the not you're going to basically create a website that sends kids to the available opportunities they have. You're not necessarily adding tons of opportunities. It's no. not like you're not forcing kids to do anything more. You're not doing anything particularly significant. And uh, and so the overwhelming... David, C- David Cicilline came up with that. Exactly. This is pro- the Providence After School line. So it's, it's, <laughs> that, it's, it's a version of that. It but is. Again, what everybody says, and I feel this way too, what everybody has said to me, is, it's, it's not like this is the worst idea they've ever seen. It's just simply a matter of you told us that you were going to have a plan to, you know, to essentially fix the state when it comes to education. And then you only came up with this. Um, and I know the governor is hearing it from other people other than me. I think he's written me off as, you know, somebody who just doesn't like him. That's fine. I'm a good boy. I don't really care. But uh, I know he's heard from others who say, boy, we really got to, you know, we got to really drill down on some details and, and have some wins here that we'll be able to show. Because if it's just we're going to go around for the next six months, and, you know, Mayor Smiley today is going to sign the, you know, the compact. And then the next day it's going to be Charlie Lombardi. If it's just photo ops, uh, you know, you're going to have a real challenge. And look, the, 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 the good thing about this is we're going to be able to, you know, follow this in relatively real time. Every year we'll be able to look at the test scores and, and kind of see where things are. 
Now, test scores are going to go up, right? Kids are getting, are in school more. They're, you know, you've had a really big disruption from the COVID pandemic. Yes. But remember, he's tying this to catching Massachusetts. And if you think that the Massachusetts kids are just going to, you know, stand stagnant, Boy, right. there'll be a there'll be a revolt in the state of Massachusetts if if the if the Rhode Island kids catch uh, catch up and then the Massachusetts kids don't get any better. And Dan McGowan, let's just look at the larger picture here. Is what does it say to you, uh, someone that certainly knows the landscape, that Bob Walsh is there and what Governor McKee is talking about? That's all after school, after hours, weekends. Notice he's not touching. As, as one teacher said, they're not touching the meat and potatoes, which is the, the, the school day of where changes need to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, I heard from, a, from someone uh, in the union world, I'll say, uh, you know, close or at least at one time very close to, you know, Bob Walsh. And they said, imagine announcing a school plan without announcing anything about schools. And, and, and that was generally the, the, the takeaway on this. You know, I, I think the governor very clearly does not want to have, you know, a years long a war with every teacher in the state right he's already right. got this problem in providence yeah um you know i think he i think he wants to try to you know uh, at least kind of hold some of the support that he did have in the governor's race last year and probably not tick off you know everybody and and just have kind of this ongoing battle you know look i get that this is his track record in cumberland to some degree was you know, the teachers don't really like me. I don't have a lot of control. I'm going to create a new thing. This is this is similar, right? He, it's, it's, it's almost layering on top of, you know, the existing system. The thing is, is that for, for taxpayers out there, you know, you're spending $2 billion plus dollars a year on, on, you know, public education in this state. Lots of money. It's not like anyone's cutting money to education. So you already have all that money going in. And now you have this separate thing where, Look, some cities and towns might work. The places that have really good nonprofit, um, you know, involvement, Newport being one of them, Providence to some degree being one of them, you know, maybe you do uh, move the needle a little bit, but this is not what moves the needle significantly. And when you have all that money out there, both federally, and again, just the $2 billion we spend every single year in state money to send to uh, different school districts, you would think there would be more of a focus on the time where you you know you're getting the kids. You know for 180 days a year, yep. you have the kids in front of the classroom for you know five, six hours a day. Um, it seems like he's almost, he, you know, in an effort to create something new, just for the sake of being new, he is almost, cre- he's creating this, this, this new thing uh, that is kind of separate from the in-school operation. Folks, again, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, uh, much like you, and there's a nice write-up about this in the Boston Globe, I, I was very sad at the passing of Mary Ellen Goodwin. It's almost, to me, almost like a part of the old Providence. She was Providence through and through. But when I think of Senator Goodwin, who passed away, she, she to me, she was what Providence was in the 80s, 90s. Again, I've been friendly with her for over 20 years. And she was, you know, uh, often seen with former Lieutenant Governor Charlie Fogarty. But she was, you know, of that Buddy Cianci era. I, I, I just noticed and I thought of like with her passing that the city actually is a, is a different place. Yeah, well, you, you just hit on the thing that's been in my mind about Marilyn Goodwin, uh, you know, ever since I, I heard the news. And, and it's that it's the it's sort of the, the that old school mentality. Uh, this is not a criticism by any means of, of Mary Ellen, of course. But what I would say is she was the kind of person who was not driven by her ideology. She wasn't no. at the state house to, you know, have big fights. She was there. You know, it was a little bit of the, it was a social scene for oh, her yeah. in a lot of ways. She loved that part of it. She yep. loved the politics part of it. But let's be clear. She also, when I say like she didn't want to have big fights, she also got a lot done by listening to what her constituents actually wanted. Right. Yeah. That that district that she represents uh, represented, you know, is, is filled with kind of a lot of elderly high rises. Marilyn Goodwin is one of the most popular people, uh, you know, in that sort of the northern section Big of Providence yeah. because she she never uh, she, she never skipped out on the dinner or the 
you know, the events at the at these high rises and things like that. She became over the years incredibly popular in like the Chad Brown projects uh, yep. with, with African American uh, voters. It's why she got reelected every year. You know, th- there there's always going to be this debate over you know what you go up there to do, and a lot of the new people go, go in there and they want to have a fight and they want to take on leadership, and that's okay. But Mary Ellen, I think, was kind of the last of the people who was who I think was relatively reasonable, who could who could watch. You know, she was comfortable watching um, her constituents move on issues, right? The, the classic one is same-sex marriage, where she was very much against it. And then look, the ground shifted under her in, in the popular, and, and, you know, people will say that's bad for her. And she's, you know, she, certainly the religious folks, would, would, you know, had issues with her on this. But uh, she, she was, you know, in some ways, this is a weird comparison, in some ways, a little bit the way you, you've always heard that Joe Biden was in the Senate, right? Yeah. That, that a, a person who, who wasn't ready to lead on, on everything, but could move with the times and, uh, and really liked being up there, could get stuff done. That, that's how I'll remember her. And she was just a, a, a really a kind and, and sneaky, funny. She was a hilarious woman. Uh, she was not afraid to fight with you. You know, if she didn't like something you wrote or probably what you, you, know, you said on the radio. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't personal. It wasn't, no. uh, you know, she didn't She had a very grudges. good way about her. Yeah, yeah she was also, it's kind of the old Democrat, Dan McGowan. Just, she was very tight with uh, um, Senator P- Piva Weed was the yep. president. And I remember that they, I think they were both pro-life at one time and That's i know right. senator piva weed was and i just don't think you'd find that now folks also in the globe you're going to find this uh, tremendous coverage obviously the celtics are in action bruins are in action globe had uh, just incredible coverage obviously the 10-year anniversary with the boston marathon that and a lot more in a lot of rhode island stories as we get ready for the big dr Motter interview <laughs> coming up on thursday night Although I'm only going to do it 30 minutes and I'm going to try to keep them on, uh, on, on target. And, and it's, I don't know what to expect of the whole thing, but uh, see, John, we'll here, see where... I want to lobby you. I think this should be like the, the Michael Jordan last dance. I want seven episodes. I want an <laughs> hour every time. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> it's already two inside. And I want to be really clear. His colleague, Amanda, but she, she did, I mean, the, story and series on it that's really had action this is a little more video and um and and i think a little more maybe more up his alley but 30 minutes in and out that's it leave them wanting more uh dan mcgowan folks in roadmap i receive weekdays it is all the links to all the different stories uh, and including that governor mckee must have some good news with the morning console poll that's out yeah, fifty percent. Yeah, now at fifty percent approval, still low you know, compared to other governors. But he's well, he's better than Gina Raimondo. Yeah, so. things are looking up. Dan McGowan, if you'd be so kind to extend that offer to everyone who's listening. Yeah, very simple for folks out there listening. Send me a blank email. You don't have to write anything in the subject line. Ri news at globe.com ri news at globe.com i'll sign you up and start getting it first thing tomorrow morning the full mckee that is the line folks you're going to hear about that for the next 30 years he's dan mcgowan of the boston globe and great job as always we'll talk to you again have a good one john thank you falcon pest services 12 months of the year you could have a pest problem serving rhode island and massachusetts called falcon pest services today 401 739-1322 free consultation 401-739-1322 locally owned and operated serving rhode island and southeastern mass they offer services for termites bed bugs ants roaches mice rats in the summertime spring fall mosquitoes and many other pests call today for a free consultation whether it's for your home or restaurant maybe it's once a year maybe it's once a month call falcon pest services today free consultation 401-739-1322 residential and commercial whether it's an office building a school a hotel a restaurant or your home call falcon pest services today free consultation 401 739 1322. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. Can always listen online at the website, depetro.com. I think the Bud Light situation is really interesting. 
And it also shows where the public is compared with um, where, you know, the, the government, uh, let's just say state leaders and Governor McKee, would, would they estimate where the public is, is not where the public is. And what I mean by that is that there's, there's just a total disconnect. But the Bud Light controversy, that, that demonstrated several things. Number one, just how quickly that was. a, a and, and, the, and they're not out of the woods yet, by the way. But there was a good piece in Axios, how Bud Light became a microcosm of America in 2023. And few events capture so perfectly the cultural, political, social toxicity of America is the great, great Bud Light debacle of 2023. Why it matters. One transgender social media influencer, Dylan Mulvaney, radically changed beer sales and stock prices literally overnight after a conservative backlash spread to bar to bar. April 1st, Bud Light sent Mulvaney an influence package, uh, an influencer package, glorified swag bag, to celebrate the one-year mark of her coming out as trans. The package featured uh, Bud Light cans with illustrations of Mulvaney's face, which she showed off in an Instagram video. That set conservative anti-trans pockets of social media on fire, left Republicans scrambling to protect a big donor from attacks for, by the right. 5,600 news articles were published about the controversy in two weeks. The news received over 6 million social interactions. The most shared articles came from Right Wing, The Blaze, The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, who has 5.5 million Twitter followers, Kid Rock, who fired a rifle case, rifle at cases of Bud Light, called for boycotts. Anheuser-Busch dropped 5%, a loss of $6 billion in market value. Now, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch issued a very vague statement, our responsibility to America, alienated both sides. But they think that appeased the shareholders. Donald Trump Jr., 9.8 million Twitter followers, he called for an end to the boycott because they were a big donor. I'll bet they'd, he'd probably cut some deal for them to donate to the father. What this captured, the inflamed politics around trans, transgender rights, the lack of perspective or grace from vocal transgender opponents, the speed of a vitriol viral, the speed of efforts to capitalize off it, and the unpreparedness of companies to respond. Now, I'll say this. The company maintains a perfect score. You know, remember the power imbalance, very small number of people that are trans. But for the right, it's definitely a wedge issue. Here's That's the Axios piece about it. But here's how I read this, and that is that, general, the American public can be polite. And Governor McKee, and I've told you, I've been at those rallies where that used to be Donald Anderson. Now it's Reverend Donnie Anderson. I'm not sure, exactly sure. He's in his 70s. He's decided. He's now growing his hair long. He's now identifies as a woman. He uses female pronouns. So people are polite and people are civil but that doesn't mean that they are comfortable with it they don't like mean doesn't mean they support it it doesn't mean they accept it it just means they're being polite about it but how anheuser-busch bud light th this is lasting impact this is going to be a devastating impact of that brand for the summer and there's too many other options that was not just a small blip on the screen and and i get that they're a big donor to Republican causes and so forth. I think the damage is done. Bud Light is now uh, a punchline. It's a joke. Some uh, Someone told me a group of guys were golfing recently, and when one of them hit a weak shot. Somebody said, oh, you've been drinking too much Bud Light. It is, it is. And think of the effect it's having on 20 and 21-year-old males. It is, I think, permanent damage to the brand. And they, the... The mistake is just because, and, and by the way, I fully agree, there should be no discrimination, but just because people are tolerant and just because they are civil about it, 
It doesn't mean they're on board with it. It just means that. And for someone to mistake that and think we're going to make a political statement with beer drinkers and we're going to have this trans person celebrating a year of being a woman. I, it's, it's just a bridge too far. Now, you know, that doesn't mean anyone needs to be mean. doesn't mean anyone needs to do anything harmful. doesn't mean anyone needs to say anything that, you know, would cause someone to be offended in any way. But it also doesn't mean that people aren't going to take issue with it. And especially, I think, the part of the timing of it, March Madness, and really who that target audience is, which is the young males. So uh, I know that some people are upset about the Bud Light, that it's... When you hire a spokesperson for your brand, whatever company, and, and it goes well, then that's terrific. Then you, you hired someone and you feel there's a benefit to it and people are talking about your brand. How many commercials have you seen with Kevin Hart? How many commercials during football have you seen with the quarterback of Kansas City, um, Mahomes? How many uh, commercials now do you see where Gronk pops up? So now the, those are, they feel having that individual represent them is going to lead to a positive effect for their brand. But there's, there's, a, there's another side to that coin. And that is that you could hire someone who maybe is not effective for your brand, or you could hire someone that essentially destroys your brand and does not help sales in any way and obviously inflames people. And, and you have to, that marketing person trying to say, we were trying to show all inclusiveness and, and even, I mean, I can't believe Anheuser-Busch would employ someone that refers to it almost like as a dying brand. Who would, who would want to go and purchase that? Bud Light was known for their funny commercials. Um, you got to remember who the target audience is. You know, the biggest group of beer drinkers is men 18 to 24. And I recognize a lot of people, when I have said that, have sent me an email saying, well, no, you know, remember drinking age is 21. Okay, that's true in, you know, in reality. But if you go to a college campus, there is an accepted practice that if you're 18 years old, or 19 years old, and you are either in the service or you're on a college campus, a lot of people say, I drank when I was a freshman, sophomore, junior in college. If they were really to enforce the drinking age, that means no one would be drinking until they were senior in college. And we know that that is, you know, you look at spring break, that's clearly not what is happening. So the largest group of beer drinkers is still uh, 18 18 to 24 and it's actually 18 19 20 21 i mean those ages and so for anheuser bush to somehow think they were going to get girls to drink the brand or even if they had every person who identifies as trans drinking bud light it's still it's a small fraction so i i think it's a warning and 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 you have to believe that politicians who were very quick to embrace this, Governor McKee puts out statements, trans rights is human rights. He wants all trans voters to vote for McKee. Um, you know, he's, all of his staff use their pronouns. That's what that whole thing is about. But I think it's a, it's a cautionary tale for how people really think and what they really think when they see some of this or some of these ads come on now again it, it doesn't mean someone should leave a uh, a mean comment so to speak on social media it doesn't mean that it should affect anyone's employment or interaction or neighborhood or at the workplace but it certainly don't confuse that with then you know the the old adage of people that vote with their feet by moving and the same thing whoever thought that that was going to be a good idea and that people are just going to embrace that. They are sadly, sadly mistaken. Bud Light now serves as the example of what not to do unless you want to destroy a brand. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coe said in. 
226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick, Rhode Island tradition since 1977. Delicious food, great atmosphere, whether it's lunch or dinner or drinks in the lounge. They can also accommodate large groups. A great meal, a feast is waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. Stop it and see them all year round. 226 Cohesit Avenue in West Warwick. They're waiting for you at the Cohesit Inn. John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, DePietro.com. Remember, weekdays, 11 to 2. But visit the website, DePietro.com. That's the best way to reach me. There's a direct link. Contact John. We also have all our sponsors right there. We have unique, original reporting, stories, videos. Also, all our links to social media, whether it's Facebook, when we do Facebook Live or YouTube or Twitter. It's all right there at the website topetro.com. And then remember, once you're there, you can also visit the shop. We have great gifts that you can get. It's a happening, all links to the show. Plus, if you ever miss any part of the show, it's all right there under radio show right there. Folks, it all starts by logging on at topetro.com. And on the left-hand side, you can always listen live. Again, all our links, everything begins and ends right there at the website topetro.com. Propane Plus in Rhode Island for all your propane needs. Call them 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, you can reach them at 508-252-3359. Propane, heating and cooling, it's Propane Plus. Their team's been there three generations. They're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they plan on serving you for a long time to come. They offer online billing ability to schedule a service delivery at the click of a button and remember all customers receive a free safety inspection on their equipment it's propane plus and remember with propane it's affordable sustainable equitable good for the environment and now it's renewable call propane plus today at 401-885-4209 in massachusetts call them at 508-252-3359 they're very easy to navigate website it's propaneplus.com. Propane Plus. Call them 401 885 4209. Next time you have an emergency, think AtMed Urgent Care. Two locations 1524 Atwood Avenue, Johnston. That's right in the Atwood Medical Center. And also, 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, right across from Felicia's. At Med Urgent Care, when you have an emergency, they specialize ambulatory medicine. They provide immunization, school, and sports physicals. At At Med Urgent Care, they provide comprehensive outpatient health care to individuals, families. They're on duty at all times. They're open seven days a week. Walk-in routine urgent care, minor surgical. Now, if you're in a car accident... Go to AtMed Urgent Care. Avoid the long wait at the emergency rooms. They also do adult vaccinations, laboratory testing. AtMed Urgent Care, when it's an emergency, 1524 Atwood Avenue in Johnston. That's right, in the Atwood Medical Center. And also 5750 Post Road, East Greenwich, online at admedurgentcare.net. 